welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. This week, Stephen and I talked to Rebecca Bright, MBE, founder of Therapy Box, a tech company with specialist skills in working with technology for speech and language. Rebecca's clinical background underpins the company's work in healthcare and education. We're joined also by Dr. Yvonne Wren, Director of Bristol Speech and Language Therapy Research Unit and Senior Research Fellow at Bristol University. We're going to be talking with Rebecca and Yvonne about their innovative collaboration with Newcastle University and three NHS sites in Hackney, Newcastle and Bristol in designing an app to help speech and language therapists evaluate the language of children who may have developmental language disorders. Okay, so welcome to Rebecca Bright uh, from Therapy Box and Dr. Yvonne Wren from the North Bristol NHS Trust. Um, We'd like to find out a little bit about Therapy Box, first of all. So perhaps you could just tell us a bit about your history. Sure. So Therapy Box is a technology company and we particularly focus on technology for speech and language therapy. We started out um, designing and developing tools for augmentative and assistive communication and in more recent years have worked more in um, working with academics and clinicians to um, help bring um, research and ideas to um, to product stage that then can be evaluated and go out to market to benefit speech language therapists but also the children and the adults that they that they work with thank you so you've joined forces with bristol speech and language therapy unit um newcastle university and three nhs sites in hackney newcastle and bristol how did you all get together and why um well um quite a number of years ago now about three years ago um i contacted yvonne at um, the bristol speech and language therapy research unit um after having seen her at a number of conferences and speak about the work that the unit does, um, because we were looking for um, expertise in terms of uh, the first stage of this project, which was to have a look at how we could potentially automate the transcription and analysis of language samples. So two or three years ago, um, I spoke with Yvonne to um, see whether it'd be something that we could work on together. Um, which um, which was the case. And so in the first year of the project, um, Therapy Box and Bristol Speech and Language Therapy Research Unit worked on um, the proof of concept project. And then um, that, was, that worked really well. So then we sought out uh, more partners to, to expand the project and we involved um, Christine McKean at Newcastle University and then looked to find three sites in the NHS that we could evaluate the technology with. And so we hoped to um, do that broadly. So we have a site in Newcastle, um, we have a site uh, in Bristol and um, a, a service in Hackney. So we wanted to have a geographical range um, and a range of um, different service types that we would be able to evaluate the technology in. Thank you. So your new project, your collaborative project um, uh, for 2020 is called the Language Explorer. Um, the project starts with collecting data, I understand, from 600 children across England and Wales. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what data you need and, and why? Yvonne, can we turn, turn that to you now, maybe? 
Yes, certainly. So uh, this is really exciting part of the project. You know, we've developed uh, the software, the, the work at uh, Therapy Box has happened to get us to this, this phase. And now what we want to do is see how lots of children um, uh, cope with the, the storytelling task and what what they say in response to the questions that they're, they're asked. So by um, asking children all around the country to have a go at Language Explorer, to listen to the story, to have a go at telling the story themselves, we will collect lots and lots of rich data about how children retell this story in particular. And it's really important to know how um, a whole range of children cope with this task. So that's why we're asking lots and lots of children, lots and lots of families up and down the country to have a go at Language Explorer. Well, would you be looking for children with additional needs of on to take part in this study or is it are you generally hoping to to get um feedback from typically developing children we're really looking to get uh stories from all sorts of children so actually anyone can have a go um we do ask at the start of the recording and whether um children have any additional needs that have been identified uh and we do want to get a, a wide range of children so that includes children who, as far as we, we know, are typically developing. But if children have got additional needs as well, we'd love to know how they get on with Language Explorer. We'd love to know whether they enjoy it. Uh, love to know how they find it in terms of when they're talking. We'd love to listen to their recordings that they make. So anyone is welcome, as long as they're aged between four and up to age eight. So you can be seven years, 11 months and 31 days. <laughs> um, that's the age range we're looking for. My uh, my son actually had a go at the app. He um he really enjoyed it. He's a four year old, typically developing boy, and the um he found it really engaging actually, especially the sort of the theme. He's very into desert islands and pirates at the minute, so yeah, yeah it definitely appealed to him. And uh, he was really motivated to to tell his story back, but also the comprehension aspect as well. He just really enjoyed it the instantness of being asked a question and being able to verbally respond to it. Um, yeah. I think it felt like a bit of a novelty, the fact he was talking to the phone and it was recording his responses. Yeah. Really enjoy the process. That's great. So it's really good to have that feedback and, and know that children are enjoying it. Um, we have had quite a few positive responses, haven't we, Rebecca, from different people who've tried it? Yes, and I think um, parents have said also that the children like listening back to their story at the end so they can go back and listen to it. And um, I think that's quite a nice a nice feature of the app. But, I mean, I've listened to every sample that's come in and the kids all sound like they're really, you know, quite enjoying telling the story and they get carried away with it. And some children put on voices. Other children have renamed the characters. They go off on... So it's, it's really interesting to, to hear how different children... Um, uh, you know, embrace storytelling. And I, it does sound subjectively to me that they do seem to, to really quite enjoy it. That's great. So two children in every classroom, um, I understand, often have the hidden disability of developmental language disorder. It's a condition where children have problems understanding and using spoken language, I understand. So can you tell us a little bit about that disorder and what difficulties a child might have, particularly if it's not addressed at an early stage? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, talking and, and language development is something we just assume children are going to do, that they, they learn to talk without us even having to think about it. But that's not true for all children, as those figures that you've just cited uh, suggest. 
Um, but many children do make some progress with their language development. And by the time they start school, lots of children will, most children can easily hold a conversation and have the language skills they need to learn. But for many, there is what we might call a hidden disorder, where they might have problems understanding everything uh, that is spoken in a classroom, for example. And they might get by by watching what other children do. So you wouldn't necessarily notice that they have this problem. Um, other children, they might be able to hold simple conversations. They'll be able to say uh, what they need. But actually, when you look at the language that they use, we as speech and language therapists can, can assess the language and analyze it and can see that it's very simple, that it lacks complex vocabulary or lacks complex grammatical structure. And those difficulties that children have can have lifelong consequences because if you don't have the language skills you need when you start school, you very quickly start to struggle with learning and that increases as you go through school so in the early years there's lots and lots of physical play-based learning and children are learning through all sorts of modalities but the older they get the more you need language to facilitate learning so it is it is very much a hidden uh, disorder um, it's very much one that is uh, that we know is highly prevalent but under recognized um, and it's that particular group of children that we're hoping language explorer will help Thank you. So those children would typically be in mainstream schools. They wouldn't already be in, in special needs schools at the moment. Uh, more of them. Most of them would be in mainstream schools. We do have some special provision for children with very significant developmental language disorder. Um, I'm a trustee for a charity called ICANN, which runs uh, a couple of schools, one in Nottingham and one in Surrey, for children with uh, developmental language disorder. Um, but most children would be in mainstream schools. So for the main part, these are children who will be in nursery, children who will be in uh, mainstream primary schools. And as I say, there may be children who, as a teacher, you might think, well, they're a bit quiet or they are um, struggling a bit, but you can't put your finger on why. Um, some children will start to develop behavior problems um, which are associated with this perhaps because they can't understand what's being said to them or can't express themselves the way other children can. Um, so they are children you may well know about if you're a teacher or a nursery nurse but they're not necessarily children you would have identified as having developmental language disorder. I'm trying to think back to my own experience. I was a primary teacher and then set up and ran my own nursery for 10 years. And I can mm. think of certain children there that caused me concern, but because I didn't have that expertise, mm. once you've checked that they don't need grommets and that they're hearing you okay, you're at a bit of a, a loose end then as to know how, how to deal with it. As you say, they can kind of muddle on, they can get through things and they can have you know minimal conversations and they end up going into reception of a mainstream school. But, the, you know, I, can, I feel quite guilty now at the thought of letting those children out of my nursery, out into the wide world, and I didn't do enough for them, really. So it's great that your project is raising awareness of that. Stephen, yeah. did you want to come in on, on anything there? Not really. I was just going to ask Yvonne how, how the, the app is specifically going to help speech and language therapists, really. Yeah, good question. Um, there are a number of ways in which it's going to help. Um, the first way is, is time. Uh, to assess a, a child's language skills thoroughly, 
it, it takes time. It takes time when you're sat in front of the child, but actually it takes time afterwards as well to analyze that language. Now, the best way to assess a child's language is to listen to how they talk to their friends, how they talk to their parents, to collect a sample of that language and then uh, transcribe it and analyze it. But you can imagine that's just really time consuming. So what Language Explorer allows us to do is very quickly collect a sample of a child's language when they're retelling a story. And then the really critical bit is that Language Explorer produces uh, an automatic transcription. Now, we know that we need to go through and just check that and, and correct a few bits, but it's 80% 80, 80 there. Um, so it saves a huge amount of time with transcription. But then you click on the button and you've got the analysis straight away. And that's such a time-consuming task, which in the past we have spent uh, considerable amounts of time analyzing children's language word by word on language samples and, and Language Explorer will do it for us. So it will save time. But what does that mean? It, what it means is that speech and language therapists have got more time to then provide intervention for those children who are shown on Language Explorer to um, be a cause for concern. And the other thing that Language Explorer will do is that the analysis will highlight those areas which are areas for concern, areas for attention. It will show the strengths, it will show them you know, what the child's good at as well, but it will show us what we need to work on in speech and language therapy. So it really saves us a huge amount of time, meaning we've got more time to make a difference for those children wherever they are. Could you give us an example of what that intervention might look like for a child potentially who has only a very mild or moderate delay? Um, the majority of my career has been spent with quite profound needs, so... Um, be, I imagine your response is going to be quite different to what I, I'm used to. Yeah. Well, you're quite right to, to highlight the fact that there is a huge range. And some children will present when they're quite young with just um, a, a delay, which with some uh, intervention from speech and language therapists, they can catch up and they're okay. And other children will have more lifelong, um, uh, a lifelong need. Um, in, so the way that we work does vary depending on the severity. It also depends on what the child has around them in terms of supporting them. So if a child is in, in a school which is able to provide lots of support and where you've got uh, teaching staff who are already very well trained and experienced um, in working with children with developmental language disorder, then in those situations we might be providing some advice and some guidance um, but those, if the teachers are already very skilled, we might just be talking about the areas that they need to work on uh, and keeping a, a sort of watchful waiting eye on those children. For other children, where resources allow, and of course that's, that's the biggie, um, where resources allow, we would like to be working with children directly. Um, so maybe seeing them on a regular basis, that can be you know, weekly, that can be monthly, whatever. Um, but we would always be working with either the child's family or the staff in the child's school because those are the people who are with the child day in, day out. And however often we see a child, we're only coming in for a bit of that child's day. And, and often how we work on children's language skills is altering how we interact with the child. We can make a difference about what we do. And it's through the difference that in what we do that we start to have an influence on the child's language development. 
Does that answer your question, Stephen? It does, yeah, definitely. Thank you. So, Rebecca, we talked a little bit about how the data's collected in this first year, and you need 600 children. What happens then? What happens in the second year of the project? So, um, after all the data's collected, um, which will be towards the end of the summer, Newcastle University um, are going to manually transcribe all of those samples. And as Yvonne was saying, that's an incredible amount of work. So, um, uh, the research associates are transcribing that and analysing it manually um, to see how our system's doing with doing that automatically. Um, and we will have then uh, refined the tool and it will be ready to go to um, the evaluation phase, which happens, as I said, at Newcastle, Bristol and Hackney. And each of those NHS sites will use Language Explorer with 20 children um, and uh, we'll go through the, the process and they'll also use um, what they would normally use to assess children for language disorders so something like the CALF which is a standardised assessment and um, Yvonne and her team will be looking at the, the differences between using Language Explorer and using the existing um, test looking at, um, uh, at the outcomes and, and how the speech language therapist's um, decision making um, differs from, from, from the software. Uh, we'll be looking at how much time each of the options took uh, and also really importantly how the family found it, how the child found it and how the speech and language therapist found using the software um, so that we can uh, ensure that this eventual product is going to be something that people want to use um, that makes a difference and, and does save time and money because that's going to to be really important for, for the NHS and for schools going forward. Um, so those, those aspects are really key. Um, and then we also need to see Mark the app um, as a medical device. So that's a, a whole regulatory process that has to go on as well. Of course. Just to um, play devil's advocate a bit, I suppose, is there any fear that this app will be such a success that mm -hmm. maybe more cutthroat authorities might think, well, they don't need to provide as much speech and language input to schools? So I would, I would hope that that wouldn't be the case. And really this tool's being designed to be used with speech and language therapists. So hopefully what it will enable um, schools and um, speech and language therapists to do together is identify the children who need support and, and as Yvonne said the different type of support that they might need so hopefully it'll help with prioritising um, so that um, thinly stretched resources can be um, better applied um, uh, to meet the needs but absolutely you know I think whenever you're bringing out new technology there's always a risk that people see it as a um, uh, a more efficient way to spend a budget than spending it on people and you know I think that would be that would be, not be the hope that in this project you know we'd like it to be a way that as Yvonne said more therapists can spend more time with the child or see more children more quickly um, and how uh, make decisions to to optimize that service provision. As a senior leader in a special school, we always used to find the more time the therapist could spend with the children, that the impact was so much greater. And it was um, obviously you get um, a large variety on so of techniques, I suppose, different therapists of divvy up their time differently. But the therapists who are most effective certainly spent more time 
with the children and um, and modelled expectations to the adults who are working with the children, and it it definitely worked really well. So I'd hope that would be the case that you guys could spend more time. I think that's what it, yeah. I think that would be ideal, wouldn't it? And I think that's what most speech and language therapists would like um, to be yeah. the case as well. You know, nobody wants to be sitting in an office transcribing and analysing. You know, we I think as speech and language therapists, we went into the profession to spend time with people and and to be to be doing that. So as much as we can be in the classroom or the clinic, you know, those that um, the more time for that, the better. I think it, it's a tool. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's a tool that enables us to do our job better uh, and more effectively Um, and there are lots of automated tools in all sorts of industries and professions and none of them have actually replaced the 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 professional Um, they just help us to do our job better and that's what language explorer will do have you involved any parents in the development um, of the app who've got children with developmental disorders with their language yeah, we have. That's a good question. We're very keen to make sure that um, parents and, uh, of children uh, with developmental language disorder are involved in uh, what we're doing. And we work in partnership with Aphasic, which is the Association for All Speech Impaired Children. Uh, and we're able to get uh, advice and input from that charity to ensure that what we're developing works for parents as well as for speech and language therapists. It's interesting, Stephen, what you said about how important it is that speech and language therapists get into settings. When I ran my nursery, I, I would invite speech and language therapists in and, and we'd refer children and so on. And what surprised me at the time was that the, the, the speech and language therapists would come in and work not only with that child with whom we had concerns, but a little group of children and they'd take them off. So it wasn't overtly obvious which child was needing the extra help. Um, is, is that something I was going to ask about when families go to um, assessment centres and so on? How, how do you work? Are those children mixed up with other children? Are you there with just the family? How, what sort of an environment is it for someone who is, is seeking help from speech and language therapists for their child? It varies hugely uh, in di- around the country and even within um, different areas within the country because uh, different services are set up in different ways to respond to local need. So a lot of the time you might see children in schools um, and we would work with teachers, with uh, special needs coordinators to see the children that, that have extra needs. Uh, we do often work with children in groups. Um, what I would say from a, um, a consent point of view is we don't ever see any child unless a parent has given consent for us to see that child. Um, but we also see children in clinics where parents bring the children um, and in a range of other different kinds of settings as well. So it's, it's really varied uh, in different places. So the funding that you've received for the project, that lasts for two years or is that um, going on into the future? Yes, so the funding's from uh, the National Institute for Health Research and that funding, um, the current funding is for for a period of two years. So that will um, run through to the end of, almost to the end of next year when we finish the evaluation and, and the regulatory work. So that really, you know, pushes us quite a way forward. And then you're hoping to make it a commercial product and, and go it's, from there. Exactly. Hopefully then it'll, it'll um, be straightforward in terms of getting it across to, to people to use. That's so interesting. So how can our listeners find out more about the project? How can we encourage them to take part? 
So I think um, there's, there's a few ways. If they, can, if they want to find out more information, they can go to the website, which is languageexplorer.app. Um, but you can also look directly in the iOS App Store or the Android Play Store for Language Explorer, and the app will um, come through there when you, when you search for it as well. So yeah, either way, um, people can find out about it. Great. Thank you so much. That was such an interesting discussion. We wish you all the very best with your project. We'll do all we can to, to make it available to all our members. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast, please subscribe and you'll hear all the others. Thank you very much. <laughs>